0: Let's pray. Father. We we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are a speaking God. That you are not silent. That you haven't just thrown us out in the universe and left us to guess who you are and why you created us and um, what you're doing in your life. But you have spoken to us through through men like Paul, men who wrote the Bible by the Holy Spirit. You um, used them to communicate everything that we need to know in order to be in relationship with you and in order to understand why we are here. And so we pray that as as we look at this passage tonight, that your spirit would be at work in us, uh, helping us see more of who you are and your love for us and your pursuit of us, especially in Jesus. We say, we ask we might see more of the beauty of Jesus here reflected in, in Paul's words. And we pray as we see that beauty, it would change us And it would bear fruit in our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, I I like starting out with confessions. I feel like I've done this a lot. Uh, Confession. I am not a runner. uh, And I kind of wish I was. Actually, uh, this weekend, I just bought these new Mizuno running shoes. and went on like a little run with my daughters in in that little like stroller thing or whatever, the running ones. but the, the longest distance run that I can ever remember uh, doing happened about four years ago. Uh, I had just moved, so you guys have heard me reference, I was in western Pennsylvania for four years starting RUF at a school called IUP, and I had just gotten there, and we were also working with a church that was starting in the town, and they were trying to do things to get to know people, and he, the church planner there had built this relationship with this guy who owned a running store. Um, and they were doing this demo of this new shoe, and it was like just going to be like this fun event that they were having and The church planner invited me to come. he was like, "Yeah, just come along and I was like, "Yeah, I want to be supportive, and we want to get to know people in the community sure i 'm not a runner, but I can sit and like try on the shoe and like maybe run around the block well i get there uh, and i'm thinking okay he's just gonna you know explain like these are the unique features of the shoe and it's not going to be this big deal well i find out that actually the way they're going to try out that shoe is by running a fun 5k just a light 5k around the town Not only uh, was I, you know, out of shape at that point, I really uh, was, was not a runner. wasn't not a runner now. wasn't a runner then. Uh, I'd also, it was like 7 p.m., and I'd just eaten, like, this huge dinner of, like, Kung Pao chicken. I was just, like, the last thing I wanted to be doing was running a 5K. I just wanted to bolt out of there. Maybe that's, maybe that's where you find yourself in, in, in a more general sense this evening in life, like, Life has become this unexpected race, this thing you thought it would be easy, you thought you were showing up to one thing, and then you realize, oh, man, this is actually really intense and really exhausting. Maybe that's the case when you think about the Christian life and being a Christian. Like, you thought at a certain point, you'd just start coasting. Like, life would stop being this battle. Like... Temptation the struggles that i that i've had that I had in high school i 'm not going to struggle with that in college. I mean you thought at some point like oh it's actually it 's going to be natural for me to want to read the Bible or to pray or to go to church or to love my neighbor what What do you do when you find yourself in this situation where life is just far harder than you imagined uh, and and you want to just pack things up and just go home like it's it's just so discouraging. Well, I, I want to suggest if you find yourself in that position, if you're feeling like life is this marathon that like you did not sign up for, that actually could be a sign that God is at work in your life and you're where He wants you, where He wants you to be. A, a race is really kind of the imagery that's flowing throughout this passage that Paul is, is what he's saying here, and he's, he's describing the Christian life as this race and and he wants us to see that if we're not seeing life that way we're actually really mistaken like we actually might be far more immature than we realize but the good news that we also see flowing throughout this passage is that jesus is with us all the way in this race that, that he's ready and willing to provide us everything that we need to run it our connection to christ gives us a new hope that enables us to run the race of life with endurance, and we see that panning out three ways in this passage. That uh, this should be in your notes: remembering the start of the race, keeping our eyes on the runners in the race, and eagerly looking to the finish line of the race. So, first, that first point: remembering the start of the race. Uh, I was recently talking with someone who who may or may not be in this room, who qualified for the Boston Marathon, um, and. Uh, <laughs> It was really cool hearing that, uh, and just hearing, you know, hearing how that was such a big goal in his life. Um, and it really is like a super big deal to, to make it into that marathon. And, and becoming a Christian really is almost like having that happen to you, being qualified for this huge, big race that all these other people are running in, except it's completely by grace. It would be like if I got qualified for the Boston Marathon. Like, that makes no sense. Like, I don't even know if I could get qualified for, like, a Spartanburg Marathon. <laughs> if God looked at all, at all our times decide if he, if he wanted us in this race on our own merits, like, we would all be disqualified. But once he's qualified us in Jesus, that's really what we were talking about last week, a race has begun— like If you're a Christian here tonight, you've been put in a race. When, when you first trusted in Jesus, like that, the gun went off, the green light, whatever. I don't know what they're using nowadays. Like the race begun. Jesus made you his own. And now you're meant to be pressing into him to make him your own. Be, being forgiven, being made righteous in Christ by grace is the start of something, not, not the end And Paul is just really driving this home in verses 12 through 16. Uh, And and you might wonder, especially given what we talked about last week, like, Paul, what are you doing? Like, Christianity is about free grace. It's not about the works that, that I do. Like, I can't earn this relationship with God. Like, why are you being so intense, Paul? Why can't you, like, just relax? And I think it's precisely because of that, the fact that the gospel is such a radical shift from the rat race of us trying to earn God's approval, that it's easy to conclude, okay, yeah, I've done that. I've trusted in Jesus. I'm good. I'm now, I'm, I've arrived. Like, everything is good. And Paul has that in mind here in this passage. Like, he, he, he's still holding on to the settled relationship that we have through grace, by faith, that has nothing to do with our works. But it's, as Jesus says, um, as Paul says uh, through Jesus, um, it's precisely because Jesus Christ made Paul his own that Paul is pressing on to make Christ his own. Paul knows that it's very tempting for us to think that we've arrived or, or to be seeking after something that we think if we get that, I will arrive. I think that that's the very reason uh, there was all this talk last week about the circumcision party, that there were these Jewish Christians that they were really like, we've got the key to the Christian life. We've got the thing that you guys are missing. We follow the Mosaic law. If you just do that, you're going to arrive. And as I was thinking about that, preparing for this sermon, my mind went to the Pharisees. If you've read the Gospels, like what, what do they act like? They, they act like they have arrived. Like, they, they are like, we've, we've got it together. And a lot of people in the community would have looked at them and been like, those Pharisees, like, they're the, super, they're the super Christians. Like, they're the super people that have got it all together. And don't we do the same thing today? Whether we're talking about in the Christian world or the religious world or we're just talking about on campus and in the secular world like there are certain people that we look at and we're like those people they've arrived if we could just get what they have the job the platform the opportunity the network like we'll finally get in this place where we can just coast and like life is going to be easy and then christians too like we think okay if i if i read this certain book like things are finally going to make sense uh, I thought that anyone read a uh, ruthless elimination of hurry by John Mark Comer. That was it's a good book to read. But I remember reading that book and be like, oh yeah, like I'm finally going to do this. I'm going to ruthlessly eliminate hurry. Like I'm going to have like a good life and like work balance. Didn't do it. Didn't, didn't didn't stick quite the way I imagined it. Maybe it's like a certain experience. Like if I go to this conference, if I if I work at this camp, if I do this thing, like that's gonna that's gonna land me in a position where I can just coast, or, or if I just figure out exactly what God wants me to do with my life, like if I just get that completely right, if I get in that groove, I'll arrive and life will stop feeling like this race. I, I think another thing that came to mind uh, that probably a lot of you are thinking through and struggling with uh, during this time of your life, uh, and I know I did, uh, is relationships. I think, we, I think we approach relationships the same way. We're looking for that perfect person that if we just find them, we can get in that roo- ro- groove, we can get married and we'll be just like living our bliss with our sexy roommate and like everything's gonna be great. And then you go to your honeymoon and realize actually things aren't that easy. Oh, let me let you in on like a little marriage secret from someone who's been married 10 years now. Not that I know everything. Uh, Definitely don't know everything. A healthy marriage is a marriage where two people realize they're in a marathon. Like they know every day they've got to be pressing into that relationship. That, That high calling they received at the wedding altar before all their friends and family... Like, that wasn't like, okay, we've arrived, like, we're married now, like, everything's good. Like, that was like somebody shooting off the gun, being like, okay, like, go run the race now. Coasting is is not an option if you're wanting a fulfilling relationship, fulfilling future marriage relationship, especially. And the same is true, to circle back, to every Christian's marriage to Jesus. Like, do you want to have this lively, fulfilling relationship with Christ? Do you want to have a life filled with joy and peace and hope? Do you want to be a mature Christian? Like, do what we just sang about. Every, admit to God every day. Start every day. Lord, I need you. Every hour, I need you. Press into Jesus every day. That, that's what a healthy relationship with God looks like. Our hearts are are always grasping for something that that we think will make us think we've arrived, but Paul is just driving home here. That's completely the wrong way to see it. Maturity is paradoxically found in realizing how immature we actually are and, and the fact that we're just in the beginning of this race and we've got a while to go. But knowing Jesus has made us his own frees us to do that without fear without anxiety he already has us he's just letting us run to him well in in stressing this fact that that he hasn't arrived paul eventually just tell it's, it's already kind of there in the passage but he just comes out and says it in verse 17 like do what i'm doing imitate me and that leads us to our second point keeping our eyes on the runner's of the race. You know, w- when I've met up with you guys, I-, I think one of the common themes that's come out is uh, the struggle of, of FOMO at, at Wofford, uh, of missing out on something uh, that, like, a lot of you guys want to do things because other people are doing them. Like, everybody's a Millikan, or they're in the library studying. Everybody's coming to a large group. i to go to that. Everybody's Uh, joining Greek life or going to the row, everybody's projecting an image of success and happiness. And you're like, I got to do that. Uh, And I'm actually not here to condemn that. Uh, I think that's actually very natural. Like that tendency to want to copy and reflect what other people are doing and to have people that we're modeling our lives after, I think it's embedded in our DNA as people that are made in the image of God. Like, we're made to be copying God. The whole reason Paul is calling them to imitate those that are running after Jesus is he knows we're imitating creatures. That's just who we are. So we don't need to beat ourselves up for that. But we do need to evaluate, is the the crowd that I'm trying to be like, I'm trying to copy, I'm orienting my life around, are they going somewhere I want to be? Five years from now, 10 years from now, 50 years from now, 100 years from now. Before the Philippians and us, uh, there, there are two different crowds with two different trajectories in this passage. In verse, Look at verses 18 through 19. We read of one crowd there who walks as enemies of the cross and of Christ. And their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. And I, I think some of us might hear that language and especially, I don't know if you grew up in the church, you're like, oh yeah, that's those people that are like partying and living up and sleeping with whoever they want and just doing whatever they want. But Paul, if we put this in context, it, most commentators, everyone I looked at, all think that Paul is talking about the same jewish christian group the circumcision party that philippians told that paul told the philippians to watch out for back at the beginning of the chapter like these very religious conservative people are walking as enemies of the cross how could that be the case Well, because they're the end of the day their god is their belly you can be an enemy of the cross in a very irreligious way it's easy to think of that or in a very religious way. But calling yourself a Christian, going to church, it is no guarantee that your practical God isn't still your belly. In fact, many religious people just find that that's actually a way to feed their egos pretty effectively. Uh, and it's no surprise that we find scandal and scandal like popping up, we hear it in the news. I mean, I think recently there's this whole documentary on Hulu about Jerry Falwell Jr., the former president of the largest Christian university in the country, Liberty, in Virginia. Um, And and maybe you could sum up uh, a lot of what was happening behind the scenes in his life as his God being his belly. Jerry thought he was promoting Christianity when actually he was kind of an enemy of the cross because of his hunger for power and his mind being set on earthly things. But, but as we see in Paul here, the proper Christian response to this is not just to like, make fun of these people or go cynical, but it's to mourn it. Like We shouldn't gloat when, when a Jerry Falwell is exposed and is on the news. We should be grieved. Uh, but we should also use that as a moment to ask what Paul is really calling us to ask what, what is my god like what is my practical day-to-day god who do i obey and worship and orient my life around i think i think often when we have this desire to coast and to not for life to not be a race it's because we're, we're wanting our god to be our belly we're wanting to orient our lives around ourselves but the bigger question especially in this point, is what is the practical God of the people I'm running alongside of? Are they worshiping Jesus in truth and spirit, or are they actually worshiping themselves? Going back to my story about the the fun run shoe demo, probably wondered, like, did I run away or did I actually do the run? I did actually do the run. Um, The peer pressure got me the FOMO that I didn't want to be, that there was all these cool people in the running store and I didn't want to be the one person that like didn't go on the run. And, and so that was actually what kept me running. I like, I remember I actually ran beside the guy who owned the store and that wasn't because suddenly I became an amazing runner. It was actually cause he was injured. And so he was going pretty slow. <laughs> um, but I had like this great conversation with him, me mainly listening while I'm like totally out of breath uh, but there was something just I remember about that experience about being in that crowd of people that was so compelling that that lit, it was like they lifted me up and carried me and gave me this endurance that like I had no idea I could even have and that 's what you really need in your spiritual life like that is why we emphasize small groups and one to ones and while we 'll keep trying to get you involved with the church. By the way, Gris Perez brought those desserts and the gathering is coming next week to bring some desserts and some people will be there from there. You need to connect with other Christians, often with more mature Christians that are a little bit further down the path, running a little bit faster than maybe you are, because it will give you an endurance that you had no idea you could have. And, And... This brings us uh, to our last point as as we're sort of thinking about the end of the race, eagerly longing for the end of the race. And we're thinking about who Paul wants us to imitate. What do they look like? We'll look at verses 20 through 21. This is the crowd he wants us to chase after. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await A savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. We find hope that gives us endurance by eagerly longing for the end of the race. The race of the Christian life, the good news is it's not infinite. Like there will be a place we get to where we finally do get to coast. There will be a time when sickness and fear and death will be no more. There'll be a time when running itself will become effortless. When fatigue will no longer take over our bodies. When our potential will be fully actualized. Every Christian's lowly body will one day become like Jesus' glorious body when he returns. That's what Paul's pointing them to look at as they're running that's what he's pointing us to look at i i can still envision in my head uh being on that fun run the 5k and and turning the corner about three-fourths of the way in the run and, and it was kind of up on a hill and the sun was just starting to set and we and the the store was on the main strip of this cute little downtown in indiana pennsylvania um and like the lights of the town were about to turn on and it, it was just beautiful. And I could see where we were going. Like I could see the shop, even though we had quite a ways still to go. And, and there was something that I remember happening within me. It was almost like at that point, I remember like running the hardest. And I'm like, what, what is going on? Like I should be like so tired by this point. And, and I, it was just something about seeing that beauty of the final destination of thinking about going with these cool people that are running and are, are way more athletic than me and going over to the local pub and having a drink with them. There's something about that that compelled me to finish the race. I can, I can guess some of you at this point uh, in the semester uh, might be getting a little homesick. Anyone a little homesick? Uh, I know some of you haven't been back home this entire semester. Um, you're probably eagerly longing, waiting for something. Thanksgiving break. Maybe, maybe even the whole winter Christmas break. It's a whole week at home, time with family and friends and good food, and just to not think about school for a bit. That's what the Christian life is like. It's being on this run, looking forward to this vista that we can see that it is so beautiful. And, and we know when we get there, we will be able to rest. We will be able to coast. We will be able to enjoy time with the people we love. It's like pushing through the semester, longing, looking forward to that break. I'm waiting the moment where we can go home and feast with our families. A certain, a certain amount of spiritual homesickness is actually like super healthy. As a Christian, like, like if you're longing for, man, I, I wish life is just really hard. Like, I just want to be with Jesus. Like, I just, I just I sort of want this race to be over. Like, that's actually a good thing. That's what Paul is saying here. We are citizens of heaven. Uh, I hate to say it, but if you're a Christian, Wafford is not actually your home. South Carolina is not your home. America is not your home. Like, if you follow Jesus, your home is in heaven. And that's what you should eagerly long for, be looking to, to find endurance in the race of the Christian life. And the most beautiful thing, really, about that, that end of the Christian race, it is not just the view. Uh, our spiritual homesickness, it's not only for this place that, that's free of sin and death and is just filled with beauty but it's a place where jesus is like that is what makes it beautiful and good and full of life we're longing to be with him and be like him creation itself is longing for jesus to return because that is the only one that can fix everything and make everything that's sad untrue and i love how we see this uh in the last book of the bible uh revelation where it's really a book that, especially towards the end, it's all about what, what's happening. What is at the end of the race of the Christian life? And this angel gives John, the apostle, this amazing tour is taken up by the spirit into the new Jerusalem, into this heavenly city that Paul is talking about. And it's just unimaginably beautiful. There's all these details like about like these different gems and things and these giant buildings It's just this amazing city. But what's at the end of that tour? Well, we read in verses uh, 22 through 23 of chapter 21. John writes, I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. Like the finish line of the Christian life is Jesus Christ. Like Jesus, he began the race by taking hold of us. We wanted nothing to do with him. And he's with us in the middle of it. He's sustaining us. He's giving us people to run alongside of his church. And he's going to be there at the finish line, waiting to greet us, wiping the tears from our eyes, giving us a water bottle, bringing us in into this huge celebration. That's the hope that will help us to endure the race of the Christian life. Let me close us in prayer. Father, I, I I just pray for everyone here um, that they might come to this hard realization that, that life is a race if they haven't already, um, that you would bring them gently into that um, but they might see how uh, you meet us in the race. Um, they might see deeply how you've taken hold of us, uh, and that just might overflow and desire to take hold of you. We confess uh, we we don't we don't like feeling like we're in the middle of this race. Um, we want things to be so much easier we want to coast uh, we we many times, even as we worship you, we have days where our functional God is our belly. Draw us up uh, into uh, a greater vision uh, of, the, of the heavenly city, of the place where we truly belong. Help us uh, to wait, await that eagerly, to look to that eagerly. Help us to find others that are doing that as well, that we can run with too. And, and help us most of all just to see uh, Jesus, who's waiting there for us in the finish line. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's uh, stand and sing Our last song. We will feast.